the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Richard Robertson, and this is Life in Colorado. Today we have a story of courage, perseverance, hope, and love. It's a story of two-year-old Maxwell, who lives in Denver with his twin sister, Riley, his parents, Amber and Mark. He was born with a very rare genetic disorder that could leave him with permanent, severe intellectual and developmental disabilities and a form of epilepsy that's not treatable with current medications. Only about 50 people in the world are known to share Maxwell's problem. It's so uncommon and so rare, it's only known by the name of the affected gene, SLC6A1. His mother, Amber Freed, has devoted herself for the past two years to fighting to make a cure possible. Maxwell is a good candidate for treatment using the emergency technology of gene therapy in which a functioning gene is attached to a harmless virus that can carry the new gene through the body and replace the faulty one. The Food and Drug Administration has already approved gene therapy for diseases like leukemia and lymphoma, and a team of medical researchers at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas are already working on ways to expand its use to diseases like Maxwell's. But his condition is rare, which is where the money comes in. Amber and Mark are trying to raise $1 million to kickstart research, after which they hope a biotechnology company will step in and fund drug development, which could cost as much as $7 million. Treatments for rare diseases are almost as rare as the ailments themselves. And money is a big reason for that. Medical researchers seeking scarce funding have a better chance if they focus on treatments that can help large numbers of people. Drug makers, too, have less incentive to spend money on medicines only a few people will need. That started to change as more novel cures have become available, but they often come at astronomical costs for patients. So while Maxwell's disease is far from common, Amber and Mark Freed are facing the same problem as everyone who gets sick in the United States. Healthcare is very expensive, and we're all on our own to figure out how to navigate the labyrinth healthcare system and be able to afford care. My guest is Amber Freed, and she has a very compelling story of a struggle, a struggle for her son, for her family, for uh, medical research. And so, Amber, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us your story of how this got started. I know it's you, you had twins and a joyful occasion, but then uh, you started to some, notice some things. Tell us your story. Sure. The only thing I really ever wanted to be was a mother, and it was harder for me than some people. So um, we went through IVF, mm-hmm. and in March of 2017, we had beautiful little twins, and it was the best day of my entire life to meet them and hear their little cries and realize that my son was a clone of my husband <laughs> and my little girl looked exactly like my sister. They were they are 
adorable and have just brought so much joy to our lives. Right. But we noticed really early on that Maxwell was not progressing like his twin sister. And what were some of the signs of that? They were really strange signs. Like the first thing we noticed at four months was that he never once used his hands. It was like he didn't know his arms were connected to his body. Hmm. And so I'd go into our doctor and say, my baby can't use his hands. And they would say, every baby can use his hands. Right. You would notice, because that is such a natural thing for little kids. You probably noticed that with your daughter, Riley, she was grabbing things. They're always grabbing things, you know, when they're toddlers or little little babies even in a crib you know they grab a toy or they you know grab something but and so he just wasn't he just wasn't using his hands never held a rattle never never okay. touched our face four months turned into six months turned into nine months mm. and then he started missing more milestones right all milestones actually okay filling out his baby book every month became like terrifying to me. Of course, you had a stark uh, contrast with your daughter who was doing all those things. And then uh, Maxwell, I imagine as time went on, it was it became more and more alarming that why is he so different than, than your daughter? Yeah. Yes. And the doctors just were probably thinking, oh, this is just some minor thing. They're sort of dismissive. Or is that a little harsh? No, totally dismissive. Boys are slower than girls. Don't compare twins. Every child moves at their own rate. And I agree, but I knew in my mother's gut Mm -hmm. that something was very wrong. So when did you finally get an indication of what was wrong? I know you went to a lot of doctors. What, What happened then? I had to pull personal strings to get in front of the right geneticist at Children's of Colorado. Okay. And he took one look at Maxwell and said, you're right, something is really wrong. We need to start genetic testing immediately. I can't tell you if he's going to live. This is going to be something I'll see once in my career. That's not something you want to hear as a parent. So then the process started. So he had a genetic testing and then what did they find out after that? Well, I mean, we went through a genetic testing, which was just a simple blood prick. And I, I don't think that I really understood the process. I was so scared right. that I was, I, I like blacked out as right. the doctor was explaining it. And a couple months later, we received the blood test mm-hmm. results and they said come in right away and we knew it was bad because we were led to like a quiet room that was filled with doctors and they said sit down and they said your son is diagnosed with a disease that's too rare to have a name it's known by the genetic location slc 6a1 and my husband and i looked at each other and we're like is that a flight number? I know. Like, what's that? I've never heard of this before. I mean, and you've never heard of it before, but it's it's very rare condition. Yes. And so the first thing the doctors were talking 
too slow and I just needed like a third I just needed to read the 30 second overview right and so I just took out my phone and googled it and there were no search results and there's a search result for everything on Google. I know. We, we jokingly refer to it as the Oracle, but, you know, if it's not in Google, it's rare. Yes. And I just realized, oh, my goodness, what do you do? And they sat there and explained all that they don't know anything about the disease. Mm-hmm. Hopefully my husband and I could become the experts and come back and educate them because – there was nothing. There was a five-page article written out of Denmark. That was it. Is it just because it's so rare that nobody's um, done any research? Or, or or do people pass from this and they don't even know what's, what's happened? They just dismiss it as something else. Doctors gained the ability to test for the disease in 2017. It's oh. only existed for two years. And so it's all of the above. People are misdiagnosed or they pass. We just don't know because there's no natural history on the disease. And that was the scariest part for my husband and I. I bet. We have no idea what's going to happen other than the worst of the symptoms begin between the ages of three and four. So you found out this diagnosis, and you, you're, you and your husband are sort of in shock. And then you, you take the bull by the horns, and you call. How many scientists did you contact? I'm a person with a, a large faith, and faith has always gotten me through every hardship in life. And I try very, very hard to listen to my instinct and gut because mm-hmm. I believe that that is God-given. And as we sat in that diagnostic room and we heard all of the can'ts and won'ts and heard this very, very bleak and grim outlook for our son, every ounce of my body said, do not listen, you fight. You can do this. And I said a prayer and I looked back at the doctors and said, I don't want to talk about social services. If this were your son today, what would you do? Help me fight. And they said, man, you start calling scientists right now. So did they give you some help on this and direction? uh, Or did you have to look that up literally yourself? Did you start looking up who are scientists and researchers that delve into this this particular kind of of disorder? What, What did you do? Oh, the doctors were so sweet. And they said, these are the things you need to Google. Mm -hmm. Just start calling people. And if something doesn't make sense, call us and we'll explain it. Okay. All right. So I left my career the same day at Janice Henderson. I walked in and I said, something is really, something really bad happened. And I don't even know how to explain it other than my son is in a ton of trouble. Right. And I can't even clear my desk out, just throw everything away. And um, Janice said, don't quit. We're going we're gonna to try and keep you on health insurance as long as you can. Let's use up your vacation and sick pay. Let's see what we can do to mm-hmm. help you. They, they, they have been our biggest supporter. And I started calling scientists. I, used, I talked to scientists in the U.S. all day, Asia and Australia all night, and Europe early morning. I called hundreds of scientists in three months, and I found our guy. I found a guy that could actually cure this condition. 
And that's a great story. I mean, because I, I I heard the story of where you went to that conference. So tell tell us about that because that was great. Well, as you can imagine, he is a brilliant, world-renowned scientist that can impact thousands and thousands of lives, and he is busy. So he wasn't returning my phone calls or emails initially. So I started sending him snacks via Uber Eats every day until it was so awkward, he had to thank me. You, you were determined to get his attention. I was That's determined. great. And everybody, nobody can turn down a cookie at 2 p.m. Nobody. It, it transcends education level, wealth. It transcends everything. Everyone needs a cookie. That's right, <laughs> especially in the middle of the afternoon. So you found out that he was going to be at a conference, then what would you do? So he called and thanked me for the Uber snacks, and he said, I, I would love to talk to you longer, but I'm leaving for a conference. And I said, oh, which one? And he told me. So I started packing a bag while I was on the phone with him, text message my husband, come home, I'm leaving for the airport right now, I'll explain later. I took a red eye to the conference in D.C., and there he was sitting in the front row getting ready to speak, and I said I was with him, walked up to the front row, sat down next to him. At this point, I had never thought about what I would do when I was sitting next to him, and I had to think about how to play it cool, but he turned to me and he said, hi, Amber. I've never asked how he knew what I looked like. I I would like to think he was so inspired by the story that he read up on us, but I'm a little afraid he was getting ready to file for a restraining order. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't file a restraining order. That was your sort of your introduction to him. And then the work started. That was it. He turned after he said, hi, Amber. I said dinner tonight. And we spent four hours at dinner and we developed a plan. And we started the following day. Now, when when did you do this? This was how long ago? Less than a year ago. Less than a year ago. So now the research has been progressing, I hope? Yes, at lightning speed. We have progressed at such a rate, it's awestrucking for science. The treatment is actually developed now. Mm-hmm. It's, being, it's being tested in mice. And should everything keep going at the pace we're going, we can put the treatment into humans next year. It will be a clinical trial. And then will Maxwell be a part of that? Maxwell will be a part. Probably one of the first, I imagine. Yes. If, if not the first human. Yes. Okay. It will give him a chance at life. Yes. It is. This is truly changing every child's life. And the one very important point to my story is that when Maxwell was diagnosed, we were told he was actually one of 34 in the world. And that has turned out to not be true. Being newly discovered, how can you be diagnosed with something that doesn't exist? Exactly. No one knows anything about it. Even if they saw all the symptoms, they wouldn't know what to call it. That's right. And so we held the first conference on the disease late last year, and we had scientists look into databases of undiagnosed people. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that this condition actually affects 3,500 kids a year are born with this globally. We're the 10th cause of autism, the 6th cause of epilepsy, and play a major role in many psychiatric conditions. 
So this has implications, this research, far beyond Maxwell, which, of course, is enough. Far beyond. Schizophrenia and autism and, and epilepsy. This could have a major impact on those diseases for, that affect hundreds of thousands of people. This will become a novel treatment solution for many of those conditions and will catapult research for all of them. It, it's transcended my little family, right. and we have the opportunity to impact a multitude. That's what's so stunning. I mean, that the implications are so great. You have been instrumental in that. A mom determined to do something for her kid, it will go far beyond, like you say, your family. And that's fabulous. This disease messed with the wrong mother. And we all pray and hope for all the best with, with Maxwell. When he begins this therapy, this has been an all-encompassing, and I say this in the best word, obsession Yes, with you. How has this affected Riley, his sister? Does she realize that something's happened or that her brother is sort of special in a way? I mean, how has this affected her? It's deeply affected her. I think as a mother, I have guilt every day that I spend so much time working for a cure, but that takes away my time to be a mom. Mm-hmm. But yet I'm spending 24 hours for my kids. And of course, for Riley, that changes her experience as a twin sister. Sure. And as a daughter, we have 12 therapy sessions a week. She knows what the inside of children's looks like, mm-hmm. like the back of her hand. She is such an old soul. She knows Maxwell needs extra help. The second Maxwell is out of my eyesight, she goes, Maxie, he's gone. Help. (laughs) (laughs) He has a movement disorder, so he can't get to toys he wants now. Mm -hmm. And she helps him. Oh, good. And helps feed him. And... He, she loves to hug him and bring animals to him. Now you have a you have a wonderful nickname for him. Is he still that way? Is he still Mister Snuggles? He is Mister Snuggles. <laughs> this little boy cannot get enough snuggles, and he loves to give open mouth drool kisses (laughs) (laughs) which is you probably are thinking like yeah bring it on (laughs) oh that's great this has taken a lot of money one thing i want to emphasize is that people can donate to this and this is important medical research this isn't just for your family this is for the research that's that's happening tell us about that to advance a clinical trial is in the range of 4 to $7 million. There is very little government funding because rare diseases fall under one bucket of funding at the National Institute of Health. That bucket includes 7,000 oh rare diseases, and it takes two to three years to get. Everything needs to be funded privately at this point, especially at the pace we're working. Right. We've raised a million dollars in 10 months against our goal of $4 million, and things are looking incredible, and every penny is going raised. Every penny raised will go to fund a clinical trial next year. Great, great. And what this will ultimately lead to, and it just makes me cry because it's such a dream, is that once this therapy is developed, 
It will be on a newborn screening panel. And so children will be diagnosed days after they're born. And doctors will walk in and give this terrible news to parents. But they will say, we can treat your baby before they leave the hospital and they will never get sick. You will never know yeah. they have this disease. Through this beginning of this research, I mean, they, they discovered it wasn't as rare as they thought it was. Mm-hmm. So this has implications for thousands of people, I mean, in the not-too-distant future. It is a one-time cure. The, the way this therapy works is you put a good working copy of the gene inside a virus that doesn't make humans sick. Mm-hmm. It goes into your spinal fluid and up to your brain. And it's a smart virus, so it attacks the copies of the cells that aren't working correct. Mm -hmm. And it puts a Band-Aid on them. And it's a virus, so viruses are forever. So it's a two-hour treatment, once and done, is never repeated. So you're cured. You're cured. It's Uh being done for a lot of other conditions right now, like spinal muscular atrophy and some forms of hereditary blindness and hemophilia. So we know it's going to work. We really just need the money. Yes. This information will be on the podcast information, so uh, we'll include those links. But tell us, where, where can people go to, to donate to this? You can donate at www.milestonesformaxwell.org, or we have a GoFundMe. The GoFundMe is under Milestones for Maxwell. But if they want to contact you and get more information, how does how does somebody do that? Because I know you're you're open to all inquiries uh, in this as far as help and as far as information is, uh, goes as well. That is right. All of my information is available via the website, which is www.milestonesformaxwell.org. Okay. That's, that's the go-to spot. Then. Email me, text me. I respond to texts at 3 a.m. Okay. All of my information is there. How are you doing through all this? You know, it's, it's tough. It is really tough. But I'm sure every parent listening can understand that you will do anything for your baby. And at the end of the day, I'm fighting like the third monkey on the loading deck to Noah's Ark, and it started to rain. I will do anything for him. I'm willing to put everything to the side to advance this therapy forward, and that drives me every single day. I bet. You have all our prayers. And that's important because you are a woman of faith. Prayer is important, but the funding for this research is important too. So I personally encourage everyone to to investigate this. I mean, you're out to raise millions, but you you can raise millions five and ten dollars at a time. And it has been the five and ten dollars that has moved us. We raised all of our first million in ten dollar increments. Right. It's not how much; it's how many. So please investigate that at milestonesformaxwell.org. Okay. We are planning for a clinical trial in 2020, so just one year away. Just one year. Will it be soon in 2020, or do you know at this point? Oh, I hope so. Sooner the better, right? Yeah. 
I mean, if it could be tomorrow, the, you, I know that you and, and your husband would be there <laughs> to get it right then. That's so, right. Well, Amber, your your story is is incredible, and um, like I say, we we wish you all the best, and our prayers are with you. And thanks for sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. So be strong and take courage. Do not fear or be dismayed. For the Lord will go before you and his love.